Hey guys, I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving and uh, thoroughly enjoyed overeating and taking your nap like is typically the American tradition. Uh, Nathan is definitely feeling better. He had told us, that was a couple weeks ago, he quit eating sugar. But he got his brother in trouble because he ate about half the dessert and his brother got blamed for that. So he's obviously feeling better and so much for the no sugar policy. That kind of fell apart Thanksgiving Day. But glad to see each of you here and those who are joining online as well. Um, Christmas is around the corner. And I love the fact that as we open up today, um, it's been shared in the children's sermon. We have hope. In a world that longs for hope, we do have hope. And that was proven by the most amazing miracle of all the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he came back from the grave. And so, why shouldn't we have joy? Because we have an unfading hope in him. So anyway, but our message this morning is really focusing on the guy who wants to steal your hope, and he wants to steal your joy, uh, our adversary, the devil. And a uh, single verse this morning, First Peter 5, 8, I've entitled this message, Lion Vittles. And that's what he wants, is to make you lunch. So anyway, if you will stand in our God's honor as I read this single verse, 1 Peter 5, verse 8. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Let's pray. Father, as we come before you, Lord, we know there's an enemy out there who wants to devour us, Lord. And he is prowling around. He is looking for that opportunity. But God, we place our hope in the risen one. Jesus Christ, our defense. And Father, I just pray, oh God, that we would continue worshiping you this morning. As we have kind of ushered in Christmas and what that means the hope of Jesus Christ, that the incarnation, that you in your perfect love would do the unthinkable and put on humanity. We're so weak, and yet that was your plan to prove your strength, Lord. And so we just come to you as we take a look at this enemy out to take us out. We know that he can't do that really, because you took care of that issue at the cross. The Father, guide us as we look this morning at your truth. And Father, may we just turn to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Ralph Waldo Emerson wrote these words. When the eyes say one thing and the tongue another, you can rely on the language of the first. The eyes are described as a window into the soul. You can look in a person's eyes and you can read a lot without a word being said. You can see sadness. You can see the twinkle of an eye. And when someone's bleaking a lot, you can surmise they're probably lying. Um, and... So, you know, it's interesting on TV, I watch some of these interviews and try to see how much people are blinking in the interviews. 
And you know what? We have a devil who is not able to read our minds. He is not omniscient. He doesn't know everything, but he watches us. And he has demons. He has soldiers who are against God and his people who are watching. And he, he watches your eyes. He, uh, and the, the enemies, they, they watch our mannerisms and they learn how to read us. And although they can't read our minds, they can certainly read our expressions. And although we have a God who is the only one who ultimately fully knows us and in whom we can fully trust, we have an enemy who pretends to know us and pretends to make promises that will protect and fulfill us, but they are lies upon which we are not to trust. You see, we are in a spiritual battle. It says it's not against flesh and blood, but against an enemy who is strategic, who is out to destroy our testimony. He can't take our souls, our salvation, because that was earned at Calvary. But what he can do is keep us from growing to maturity in our faith, to a daily walk with a living God that he wants us to have. He cannot take away our forgiveness for no matter what you have done when you run to the cross. Jesus paid for it all. There is nothing that you have done that is unforgivable. The only true unforgivable sin is rejecting the forgiveness of God in Jesus Christ. That is, is um, you know, what it means to miss heaven. It's to miss Christ. So the devil, he really can't take away the forgiveness, but what he can impact is our fruitfulness how fruitful we are for the kingdom of God. That is what makes a difference. Listen, this is from a Puritan author who lived over 300 years ago, but I want to share his words, just a paragraph. Satan wants to keep the believer from all holy and heavenly service, to keep us in a mourning, staggering, doubting, and questioning condition. At one time, he will restrain from tempting that we might think ourselves safe and neglect our watch. At another time, he will seem to flee that he may make us proud of the victory. A man might as well count the stars and number the sands of the sea as reckon up all the devices of Satan. Paul told the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 2.11, Do not be ignorant of the schemes of the devil. He is a worthy adversary, and he does have well thought out schemes. Matter of fact, this verse, as it opens up, he tells us, be self-controlled, be alert. In other words, don't just, you know, spiritually be lazy, be in the spiritual hammock, you know, with the drink and the straw, and, and just not be aware. You have to be alert that the enemy wants to take you out of the battle. He wants to control you. He wants to steal your joy. He wants you to forget that you are loved. He wants you not to have peace, but to live in anxiety. He is after us. And although it says that he appears as an angel of light, 
and that he can be very deceptive and very persuasive when that is peeled back by the Spirit of God, what really you see is a lion who is prowling around looking for an opportunity to destroy your testimony, to destroy your effectiveness for the kingdom. So, as you look up here first, he is our adversary. Uh, that is a description that he tells us. And uh, so the word is literally, it is a legal term, and it refers to an opponent in a lawsuit. An opponent who doesn't just want to win the case, he wants to destroy you. He wants to ruin your reputation. He wants to take away all of your possessions. He literally wants to completely destroy you. And this is the picture of our adversary. He can't harm God, so what he wants to do is harm what God loves. And that is his people. Those who have come to forgiveness and salvation in Christ. John Brown, a pastor in Scotland who served for 30 years at the Broughton Place Church, the first 16 years of his 30-year ministry there, he preached through 1 Peter. So you guys think I'm slow. Uh, 16 years to get through 1 Peter. But I'm going to share to you, this is a quote um, from John Brown. He says, The devil is the friend of none and the enemy of all. Maliciousness is the very element of his moral being. He hates God and mankind and holy angels. The only tie existing between him and his subordinate demons is their common hatred against God and all that belongs to God. He has deeply injured the human race and he does not pity those whom he has injured. What a great description of our adversary and what he intends to do. Secondly, he is described with the term the devil. And the devil simply means accuser. What he wants to do is to accuse us. He is described as a lion who is always on the prowl. What he lives for is to look for opportunities to trip us up, to pull us away from our relationship with the living God, to destroy our testimony and what God intends for us to have and what he intends for us to share with other people who do not have the same hope that we have. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, he is described as the accuser who accuses God's people day and night. He is always on the offensive to accuse us at every opportunity that he can find. I love what one commentator described him as. He said, he is the double-crossing, mud-slinging, fault-finding, nitpicking, belittle, vilifying, tattletailing accuser. He wants you to remember your offenses. He wants to play back those memories where... <laughs> You sinned, where you disappointed another, where you did something stupid. And, and those are stored, and he wants to pull those out to remind you that you do not deserve the mercy of God. But let me tell you, when he talks to you, you talk to him. And you remind him, I've talked to another who has freed me from my sin, who has forgiven me of my transgressions. Jesus Christ! And he took care of that for me on the cross. I love 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. 
He says, if anybody sees his dear little children, if anybody sins, we have one who speaks in our defense. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. So when the enemy comes with his accusations, our advocate comes with his assurance. You are forgiven. I do love you. That is what the message of the gospel is all about. Listen to one commentator. He said, Can you imagine the level of anger and hatred and revulsion and bitterness and disgust and contempt and spite Satan has against us in knowing that we puny little human beings are going to inherit everything he lost? He wanted his own throne, and we are going to be given one of our own. He wanted the glory and splendor and riches of heaven, and we are going to live there forever. He despises us. Because once he was in heaven, once he was next to God, he was a glorious created being. He was dazzling in his beauty and uh, he, he had charisma and, and he's charming. And, and yet he rebelled against God and he was thrust out of heaven and he's bitter. He knows that you have what he once had. And so he despises you, child of God. He is after you. He is the accuser who wants to literally take you out. Now, let's look at what he does. First, he roams the earth like a lion. And, and notice that is exactly what our text tells us. That he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. In Job chapter 1, there is a picture as God is speaking to the devil, our accuser, and he says, what are you doing? As if God didn't know. God knew exactly what he was doing, but he wanted an answer from the devil. He wanted him to admit it, to agree, to confess. And so the devil said, I'm going about the earth looking for someone to attack. And he's still doing that today. He did that for Job. Job was a righteous man and he wanted Job to curse God. And he's still doing that. He wants the people of God to deny God, to turn away from God, to curse God, to attack God. He has a restless energy to cause rebellion among those who are for God. And we need to remember God is for us what the good news is all about he, he never sleeps he's always on the run and as a roaring lion you know typically what we think is he's hungry that's why he's roaring his belly's you know he's looking for food and his belly's rumbling but the truth is lions don't roar when they're hungry or when they're on the hunt lions roar for two reasons number one they roar to tell other lions where they are. It is communication. In other words, I have found food. Come join me. There's communication that is shared. The second reason is for intimidation. That loud growl is meant to scare his prey. And the devil is still loud today. He still has his roar. 
He still wants to intimidate us. He still wants to call his other demons to come and to join him in the attack against God's people. And this world system, they are familiar with a roar. Just like the, the sheep know the voice of the shepherd, those who are lost, they can hear the call of the lion. They are familiar with his roar and they follow him. And what they don't realize, they are following him to their own destruction. Their own peril because he is looking to destroy. That is what he is all about. And ever since Isaiah 14, where it describes how he was thrust out of heaven, he was running his mouth in. God, I'm bigger than you. God, I deserve this throne. God, I deserve control because look at me. How glorious I am. How powerful I am. And as a result, he was kicked out of heaven. He was hurled down to the earth. We are told in the scriptures. And he's still running his mouth. Look what I'm going to do. Look how destructive I'm going to be. Look how powerful I am. That is his heart. He is filled with pride. So, what does he do? He devours. That's secondly. He's looking for someone to intimidate. Someone to keep away from the blessings that God intends for them to live in and to enjoy. He wants to keep unbelievers blind. And he is on the constant move to accomplish this. Now, the average lion weighs 420 pounds and can be up to four feet tall. In other words, I don't want him looking at me. I don't want him to be close enough. I remember uh, when our kids were small, we went to, uh, it was in Asheville. They had a, it wasn't really a zoo. Uh, I can't even remember exactly what it was called, but it was a wildlife refuge. And they had this mountain lion. And, I, man, I'll never forget that mountain lion came up close to where we were standing, and he was looking at our little kids like, there's lunch. And, I mean, you could just, it was creepy. I was so glad there was no way he could climb through that protective barrier to get to, to the kids. Um, so, you know, he's looking. He's looking for lunch. He's looking for someone to attack. He wants to stain our lives. He wants to destroy our witness. And he is at that constant work. And we need to surrender. We need to confess our sins. We need to understand that victory comes not through our ability to fight, but to our ability to surrender and to obey God and to walk in His ways. He keeps us safe as we look to Him instead of worry about safety. So, here's a challenge to you this week. Deal as ruthlessly with sin as Satan wants to deal with you. Treat sin seriously. Secondly, remember that Satan can roar and he does have quite a roar. He can produce a lot of noise. But no matter how loud he roars, no matter how much he is able to shake a place, he cannot shake the throne of God. God is all-powerful. And he is our God. He is our shelter. He is our safety. And so we need to run to Christ. So in this battle, remember, 
Although the lion is out to get us, we have victory. Let's pray. Father, uh, I thank you for the victory that is found in Christ as we have looked at this description of the enemy, this roaring lion that wants to devour us as he's looking for the opportunity. Thank you, though, Father, that we have a God who has already conquered. And, and so, Father, may we simply live in that victory and may we remember whose we are as the attacks come. And, Father, keep us close, keep us clean. And, Father, may we walk with you. Father, I pray this morning as we come to this time of invitation. Father, may we respond to you, whether it's to come to the altar and pray or whether it's to do a decision where we are. Uh, Father, if it's to respond in some way that the Spirit of God is leading, may we just say yes and follow you. Because that is the way to fight this enemy. Not in our strength, but in yours, Lord. So I thank you for this time, and Father, we just give the end of this time to you, that you may move in Christ's name. Amen.